Good morning, church. Glad to have you in worship this morning. We have been, as a church, walking through the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes, to the sermon series, is called Chasing After the Wind. And so, um, if you'd like, you, if you brought your Bibles, you can grab the book of Ecclesiastes, go to that. Or there's Bibles underneath the, the, the chairs in front of you. If you don't know where Ecclesiastes is, if you find the book of Psalms, which is kind of about in the middle of the Bible, then you make your way through the book of Psalms and Proverbs, and you'll get to Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 2. And we're going to be at verse 18 this morning. 2.18. <clears throat> now the writer of this is King Solomon, and so here we go. King Solomon writes, chapter 2.18, <clears throat> I hated all my toil in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he'll be wise or a fool. Yet he'll be master of all which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity. So I turned about and I gave my heart up to despair over all the toil of my labors under the sun. Because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. This also is vanity and a great evil. What has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils under the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow, and his work is a vexation. Even in the night his heart does not rest. This also is vanity. There's nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God. You can underline that. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? For to the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner, he has given the business of gathering and collecting only to give to the one who pleases God. This also is vanity and a striving after the wind. Word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful. We're thankful for the gift of, of fellowship, for the, thankful for the gift of your word, for the power of your spirit that moves in our midst, that reshapes our hearts and our minds, that draws us deeper into you and into relationship with you. And so we pray, Father, that you would soften hearts and open up ears and minds and speak into us, Lord. Fill us. Empty me of myself, Lord, and fill me with your spirit to overflowing, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts might be acceptable in your sight, for you are our strength and our salvation. And all God's people say together, <clears throat> Amen. Amen. Well, in Ecclesiastes, the preacher, as he calls himself early in the text, who we know to be King Solomon, the wisest man that, that ever lived, has been trying to understand the meaning of life. What are we here for? What is this all about? Well, in this book, King Solomon is reflecting back on, on these life experiences and sharing his insights into some of these deep questions that all of us wrestle with. Amen. Things that he's discovered to be true about life. You see, he's applied his God-given wisdom because part of Solomon's great wisdom was a gift from God. He's applied some of that wisdom along with some of the life experience that he's gone through that has led him to these conclusions regarding various matters in life. He's used life as this laboratory and God's wisdom has really given him the ability to see clearly He's tried various theories and avenues and lifestyles to see if perhaps he can find meaning, the meaning of life. He tried knowledge, if you remember, a couple weeks ago. Is life about knowing everything? Is it about gathering all the knowledge that you can? But what does he conclude about knowledge? It's a chasing after the wind. It is vanity. 
Well, if it isn't about knowledge, then maybe the point is to have as much fun as possible. Maybe it's all about pleasure. That's what we preached on last week. And what did Solomon conclude regarding pleasure? That it too is a chasing after the wind. What starts out as fun, in the end, doesn't bring a lot of joy, right? Brings madness. And it seems like pleasure at first is great, but in the end he discovers it's just kind of pointless. doesn't lead him to anything lasting or good or true. It's vanity. Well, today Solomon has a new focus, a new experiment in the meaning of life. If the higher calling, if, if life's meaning isn't about knowledge, if it isn't about enjoying as much as you can, well, then, then is it about work? Is it about toil? So we pick up this life experiment that he's in the midst of after he's been living it out. And actually, if you go back to last week's sermon on pleasure, we hear a little bit that he talks about this, this dealing with work and how it's affecting him. You remember last week he, he talked about all of the things he'd done and all the things he'd accomplished and, and they didn't bring him pleasure. Remember he talked about that? So last week he talked a little bit about work and, and how it wasn't fulfilling. And by the time we reach verse 18 where we're at today, he's made a decision regarding work or toil, living to build up, to make and accomplish, to climb the ladder of success. His conclusion regarding whether work is the point of all of this, verse 18, he ends up saying, I hated all my toil in which I toil under the sun. Life isn't about knowledge. It isn't about pleasure. And Solomon concludes, it isn't about work. Toil and hard work don't fulfill him ultimately. They don't bring him the ultimate meaning and understanding of purpose and life that he's looking for and longing for. His wisdom and life experience have led him to this conclusion about work because of four things that popped out of that text. There are four reasons that he comes to this conclusion. If you go back into that text, verse 18 there, he says, the fruit of our toil will be left to someone who didn't toil for it. That's the first one. I hated all my toil which I toiled under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who's going to come after me. And then he says later in verses 20 and 21, someone who didn't toil for it. Work all you want. Accomplish amazing things. Build yourself up a little kingdom. But in the end, you know, you can't take it with you. You'll be leaving it to someone who didn't work like you did for it. You know, I have moments on the farm, a farm that's been in my family for over 130 years, and I think of all the sweat and blood. I look at the rock piles there, you know. <laughs> Thank the Lord for past generations. No, you know, but 100 years of work, and, and I'm the beneficiary of that, and that weighs sort of heavy on my shoulder. I'm aware of the fact that I'm going to try my hardest to not take that for granted, to honor their work by my own work to, and stewardship of, of what they've left. That being said, I can't even imagine the sort of toil and hard work and blood and sweat and tears that they went through in the late 1800s. The second thing that, 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 that Solomon has come to this conclusion regarding work, he says, since you can't take it with you, it's probably going to be left to someone didn't do it. That might be a fool, a foolish person who will squander it. Verse 19, who knows whether he'll be wise or a fool, yet he'll be the master of all that I toiled over. When I was in college, 
I knew a couple of trust fund kids. And I'll tell you what I've found out about them <clears throat> is that um, they weren't all that wise with the gifts that they were given. <laughs> I don't know if you've come to this conclusion or, or looked around or not, but um, when you don't have skin in the game, you treat what you've got a lot differently than when you do. You understand what I'm talking about? They treated it foolishly. So they didn't value it. They didn't work any sense, in a sense, for it. The third reason Solomon sees that work can't be the answer of why we're here is because of these first two realities, if they're true. And so Solomon asks, well, what have we actually accomplished then? Right? Can't take it. I'm not going to take it with me, and I'm going to leave it to somebody, and that person might be a fool. So what have I really done or accomplished? In fact, he gets a little depressed, and I've said this before, some of, of, of Ecclesiastes that we're talking about, there's some kind of like, whoo, Solomon, hey, ho, you know, it, it sounds a little bit like, really, can we get to a sermon series? But, but there's something really good here, there's a gift. But Solomon does get a little depressed here. Verses 22, he says, what has a man from all the toil and striving of heart for which he's toiled under the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow and his work is vexation. Like, what have I gained? What are the benefits? And the last of those four realizations that have brought him to that conclusion that he, the meaning and purpose of life can't be about toil and work alone is this. When life is all about work, he says it's difficult to rest. Isn't that interesting? Verse 24, even in the night, his heart does not rest. All the toil, all he'd accomplished, built up, didn't give him any peace. In our staff Bible studies, we have staff Bible studies each week, and as we were talking about this text, uh, Caitlin had a, had a little um, a little video, like a, a, a small video of, uh, of John Deloney, um, kind of works with uh, uh, one of the financial guys and, uh, out there. And uh, he said something that really kind of hit me. He said this, he said, if business is your drug, okay, if business, if work is your drug, then rest will feel like stress. Anybody? Come on. Come on. If you are a workaholic, then taking a day off will make you anxious. <laughs> Isn't that sad? Isn't that sad that we all kind of relate to that on some level? When your life is work, when that's your goal, when you think that that's what this is all about, then rest is just stressful. I know that's hitting home for some of us. I know personally, when I go on vacation, sometimes it takes me like two days to come down. Anybody? I'm alone? Am I alone? You know what I mean? Two days later, Julie's like, are you okay now? I'm just like, I think I am. It's like, okay, we got to go home. Oh, great. <laughs> we have to remember that life isn't about work. And God built rest into creation. On the seventh day, he rested. And we too are called, it's, it's, it's called a Sabbath. In fact, it's one of the Ten Commandments that God gives to us because we're broken. 
And work's going to drive us. And so one of the Ten Commandments, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. We need to rest our bodies and our minds. We need Sabbath. Why? Because a Sabbath, a rest, forces us to stop. And actually, did you know that a Sabbath points to God? When we rest from our labor, what we're saying is, I trust that God will provide, and I don't need to work 24-7. In fact, I was at a stewardship conference years ago, and one of the leaders in that stewardship conference says, uh, said about stewardship, he said, good stewardship begins by observing the Sabbath, <laughs> by trusting the Lord that the Lord will provide, that you can let go and give knowing that God is there to fill. Work cannot be the point of all of this. <laughs> Why? Because it is a chasing after the wind. Our toil under the sun doesn't bring eternal fruits. When we work for work's sake, or to only benefit ourselves or build up our little earthly kingdoms for ourselves under the sun, it is a vapor amidst its vanity. Now the key phrase here is under the sun. We're going to come back to what that work is good, but stick with me here. Under the sun. Remember, a life under the sun, as King Solomon is talking about, is a life lived merely as if what we're experiencing in the world around us is all that there is. A life simply under the sun is a life lived without the knowledge of God's goodness or grace or provision. A life under the sun is merely toil and labor and dirt nap. And the conclusion Solomon draws is, is, about, is, is when our knowing pleasure or work are merely for our life under the sun and have no other sense of what we could be living for or what our gifts are given for or what we could be working towards or where our joy comes from or what knowledge is all about. When it's only about under the sun, doesn't matter if it's knowledge, pleasure, or work, it's a vapor, he says. Well, I know, Pastor Dave, I have to work. If I didn't work, life would be really hard. It will then truly be hardship and sorrow, as, as Solomon says. And that's true. But what Solomon is saying here isn't we shouldn't work or that work in and of itself is bad. What he's saying is this. If working is the point, if that's what life is all about, if all there is to life is work and making and acquiring and then dying, if that's what we're looking for, our ultimate meaning and purpose, we will be lost. Can I get an amen? We'll be lost. We must look beyond the things under the sun. So what is he saying then? Well, what Solomon is saying is that work can be good, but only when it sits in the proper place in our life. Only when God is in the proper place in our life and work is in its proper place will we truly understand that work is actually a gift from God. Are you with me here? Did you know that work is a gift? Turn to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, that's the first book in the Bible, the second chapter, chapter 2, God has created, God has created the world, he's set things in order, he's, he, 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 
He creates Adam. Verse 15. Chapter 2, 15. The Lord God took the man and he put him in the Garden of Eden to work, underline that, <laughs> and to keep it. The Lord God put him in the garden to work and to keep it. You see, work is part of why we were created in the first place. Do you know that? And not only that, God created us to tend and care for the garden, to work on behalf of God and with God, and work was a gift from God, listen, pre-fall. You understand? Before the fall, God gave us the gift of work. And we often walk around, and I hear a lot of it out there in the culture, like, man, I just got to find something where I don't have to work. Work isn't from the devil to be avoided. It's from God to be used for God's good pleasure, to honor him, to glorify him, and to serve those around us where we can actually have meaning and purpose and pleasure and joy. Now, when sin entered in, when the fall occurred, the judgment given to men was that according to creation, that, 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 that caring for creation would be hard and eating would come out of the toil. So there is the reality that work is good, but it's also going to be hard in the brokenness of the fall. Both of those are true, post-fall. But I want us to think about work, in, 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 for, I want us to think about two, dif, two ditches that we fall into as human beings regarding work and the gift that God wants to give us and what Solomon wants us to learn this morning. And the two ditches for us when it comes to work, how it can be good, God-pleasing, and actually be something where we find joy and pleasure and purpose are this. The two ditches are that we have to avoid are the temptation to not work and to think it's bad and the temptation to make it the sole purpose of your life, also known as being a what? Workaholic. Come on, anybody want to get up and leave? The temptation to not work is part of the fall, our brokenness, because God gave it to us as gift, and it's good in its proper place, with proper perspective, with God on the throne, and not work or achieving or climbing the ladder or getting. And, and you know, I, I said this a little bit earlier, but sometimes when I hear people describe the best job they could ever think of, what I hear are things like this, one where I make a lot of money, but I don't do a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a trap. And it's actually a lie. Because how many of us know the feeling of working and accomplishing something, whether it's manual labor or whether it's with your mind, whatever that is, how many of you know that feeling that you come at the end of the day and you feel tired, but you feel what? So good, don't you? Right? You feel good. It's satisfying, in other words. It is, it's a wonderful feeling. It's part of the gift that what God gives through the gift of work. Or do you know the feeling of working towards a goal of saving and working and saving, right? And then, and then buying something that you, that you just treasure because you've worked for it and there's a satisfaction in it. I remember when I was in high school, I kept saving my money and saving my money. I'd, you know, mowed lawns. I mowed this, this woman, this, this, this uh, widow's lawn, this widower's lawn, widow's lawn for long, many years. And she must have had three-acre lawn. And I mowed it with like a lawn boy mower. 
could get done, and I would just be like, I'd lost two pant sizes, I was exhausted, you know, and I'd get like, you know, five bucks, or you know, it was just like, like, oh my goodness, you know, but I, I loved her, she was awesome, Doris, wonderful lady, gave me grapefruit juice, awesome, <laughs> kept coming back. But I saved my money, and I saved my money, and I saved my money. And I had such a hard time deciding what, what little stereo system I wanted to buy. I was so into music, right? And I, and I had joined the Columbia House Record and Tapes Club. If you don't know what that is, ask your parents. <laughs> and I got to have something to play these things on. So I saved, and I saved, and I went to LaBelle's catalog, and I went to the Sears catalog, and I looked, and I took I agonized. And when I finally laid the money down, it was just like, it was like, oh, man, it was tough to do. Because I worked hard and it meant something and when i got that stereo man i felt like the king of the world i'd sit in my room put on my tapes felt so good it was so satisfying you see there's satisfaction and that's part of the gift that god wants to give so when people don't work or are lazy or can't work for some reason you can find them really struggling because they miss that satisfaction the contentment that comes. What they forfeit is that sense of, of, uh, of the gift of work. God wants you to feel productive, to use your gifts, to serve your neighbor, to provide for your families. Work is good. Work makes you look beyond yourself and serve the community and exercise the gifts that he's given. When we are lazy or when we can't work or when we don't work, we, we sometimes are refusing the gift from God that he wants to give. Now the other ditch, the other ditch, is where we elevate work in our life to a place where only God belongs. You hear me? And when we worship it, and we worship it by cutting everything else out of our life and totally focus, by being, by being absolutely focused on work. When that's the most important thing in our life, when we become workaholics, we've, we've already heard that when that's the case, it, causes, it can cause anxiety and stress when we try to rest, right? By the way, that might be an indicator that it's, you're a little bit out of balance, just FYI. You try to take a little time off and you can't. But even more than that, worshiping your work, being a workaholic, listen, undermines your relationship to God and to those that God has called you to serve, your family, as husband, wife, son, daughter, grandparents. It undermines your relationship with God because you, what you are saying is, I don't need you to provide, I'll deal with myself. And it undermines your relationships to your family because you're always working. I remember a story I read in a book about a, a, a guy who had just gotten a promotion after promotion after promotion. He came home and he'd been made partner and, and he came home to tell his wife, and she just grieved, and she wept. And he said, what's wrong? I'm partner. It's what I've been working towards. She said, because every, every single promotion has led you farther and farther and farther away. Cell phones aren't helping us, are they? <laughs> Remember when vacations were vacation? Sit in the back of a, of a station wagon, look out the back window. No phone would ring. Now, COVID made the, the vast majority of us work from home. 
And companies now are trying to figure out how to bring people back to the office because people are, are working from anywhere now, and, and that's wonderful. There's flexibility and freedom in that in some ways. But there's also a problem because now work hounds you everywhere. We are strapped to our phones and to our computers. Work is always near. It's always hanging over. The call comes, and you, and you know what you do. You go, right? You look. And as soon as you look, you're like, I should probably take that. Really? This is dangerous because work will then either be something you work, worship or you'll be in bondage to it. Either way, what gets left in the dust is the Lord and the calling that you have to serve the people that he placed around you, right in front of you. When we lose sight of this calling of serving those around us our wor- of, of, through our work, we lose sight of the gift of serving our sons and daughters, our husbands and wives, our parents, our neighbors. When people are on a back burner to work, we've stepped outside of God's desire for us and the reason for work where we're living contrary to his call and his command. Is work good? Yes. But not if we worship it. If it's become our highest priority. Not if it comes before people that God has placed around you or before God himself. So what Solomon is saying to us today is this. Work in its proper place is good but it has to be in the right place in your life or it becomes vanity, a chasing after the wind. And in his wisdom, he wants us to know that our work will only be as fruitful and life-giving, will only be fruitful and life-giving when the Lord has his proper place in our life. When God is the focus, when honoring God is the point, then everything else falls in place. Amen? Everything else, priorities fall in place. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, some of you know this verse, verse 25, there's a whole section, 25 to 33. You can go there tonight and read this. But in verse 33, Jesus says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his... Yeah, yeah, say it. Do you know it? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Yeah. And all these things shall be added unto you. The balance in life, the purpose of life, the ability to joy and find pleasure in life, the ability to have knowledge actually be helpful and not a hindrance, to be able to work and see it as a gift and to be able to serve the people around you starts with Jesus at the center of our life. In verse 24 of Ecclesiastes 2, verse 24 and 25, look at what his conclusion is. There's nothing better for a person. It's, it sounds contrary to what he's just saying. But listen, there's nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil and his work. But look at this also I saw is what? Underline it. From the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? Work is good. But the key to enjoying it is putting it in the right place and having Jesus in the right place. Remember, the Apostle Paul in, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 17 said, Whatever you do in word and deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So, how's your work-life balance? Do you avoid work or are you a workaholic? The Lord wants you to find joy in this life and joy and purpose in what you do. He has gifted you with incredible things, each of you. The Lord wants you to, be, to live encouraged and purpose-filled, but you will never find any of that simply by living under the sun. Enjoyment, 
meaning, a higher calling is found when Christ is the center, is the rock. So Solomon and I want to invite you today to turn to Jesus. If you're, if you're here and you're like, man, my work is overwhelming, I'm, 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 feeling, off, I'm feeling off kilter, or I don't know what I'm doing, go to the Lord first and foremost. Go to the Lord. And as you work, then and only then will you find the wisdom and the knowledge and the joy. You will eat and drink and find pleasure and enjoyment. You will find purpose. Come. I invite you to come and work and rest and discover who you are and know that whatever you do, whether you're a plumber or a teacher or a farmer in business, when it's done for Jesus... It will have eternal meaning. It will have an eternal purpose for those that you serve. And it will be the gift that you long for. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the gift of work. Teach our hearts what that means. And Father, we just admit that sometimes we're out of balance. And there are times when we need to work harder than other times. But let's not fool ourselves, Lord. Keep our hearts and our minds grounded in you. Remind us of the relationships around us, the, the callings, the primary calling that we have with the people around us. And Father, help us find a balance and teach us to Sabbath, to rest, Lord. We are so thankful for the gift of rest. And yet, Lord, we're not good at it. And so, Father, come. Would you reshape our hearts for work? for the work of your kingdom, for all things that we do, the, 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 the gifts that you have given us can all point to you. So teach us. Teach us to work and to rest and to love you above all. We ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people say...